What are Richie and I's thoughts of the playing tournament? Do we like the structure? Do we not? Review of the games of the playing tournament. They were awesome. Let's talk about it a little bit. Plus a preview of the Jazz playoff run and those Utes are going to be looking really good this fall. We're going to be talking about all of that coming up right now on The Thatcher Effect. Five, four, three, two. You're listening to The Thatcher Effect with your hosts, Nate Thatcher and Richie Osler. It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part? It's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Okay, we're going to start things off talking about the play-in tournament, kind of our thoughts about it. This was brought in, I believe, in the bubble last year. Um, and so now this is kind of like the first time it's been implemented at actual home stadiums. I felt like for the most part, the first few games was kind of, at least like the 9 and 10 seed games were kind of like, yeah, you know, it's there. You can watch it if you watch it. It kind of felt like a regular season type game. I guess a little bit more hype. But um, besides the games and what's happened, because we'll talk about like that really good Warriors-Lakers matchup. Richie, what stood out or what do you like? What do you not like about the format of the playing tournament? Well, I personally love it. I think it's adding a lot of um, something you haven't seen too much in the end of the season before, which is players trying their hardest. Um, I feel like at the end of the regular season, you had all these, everything was happening. It felt like kind of March Madness. Um, yeah. It had that kind of feel. Yeah, I like that. Where teams were going up and down the standings. Teams were losing games to try and not play other teams to avoid certain matchups. Teams were trying to win games so they could get home court advantage. It was all around the board. Way fun. Um, as far as the actual play-in tournament, I think it's also been really fun. Um, I don't think I've ever watched a Spurs-Grizzlies game where I was like, man, this is a fun game. <laughs> where I was like, wow, these teams are trying so hard. Jonas Valanciunas had like 20 and 20. You could see he was gassed. Yeah, he, he comes in after the third quarter and he's just laying there, just breathing, <laughs> panting, trying to breathe. And uh, I don't know, man. I think I think it's a great addition. I think they're going to keep it. Um, even with those 9-10 games, you're getting fun games. Yeah. And people are watching them. Yeah. So, I mean, how could you get how could you get rid of those games? Yeah, yeah. I like that. I, uh, I At first, I kind of thought, man, well, this is kind of unfair. Because when I kind of first saw the farm, I'm like, well, I guess like all those... I guess, you know, after this season, it'd be 82 games in a regular season. You think, okay, well, 
because of these 82 games, your entire playoff future, I guess, is based off of one game. But then I thought again, and I'm like, well, what about March Madness? You know, where think about the people that go all the way to the final four and then, you know, you win, you're done. And so I, I, I love that analogy because it's all about like, you're going to, you got to play your hardest because it's, it's elimination time. And I loved, okay, listen, I'm the last guy to talk about Dylan Brooks. I'm not a fan at all, but you could see like, he was hyped about that game. Like he yeah. was into, he was into it. Um, but, and I, I like your point in saying it made for really good matchups, especially that Warriors Lakers game was awesome. I felt like it was a playoff game before the playoffs. Um, and each team, it felt exciting because you kind of saw like, well, maybe this is the downfall of the Lakers in the first half. And then, you know, all of a sudden LeBron comes back at the end and uh, you think he has a terrible game and he ends up getting a triple double, but um, I, I'm with you, Rich. I think it's, I think it's an awesome format. I think they should definitely keep it. Do they have like a contract of how long it should, it's going to stay around for? Or? I don't know. I think it's something they, um they vote on with their league of um their board, oh, gotcha. you yeah. know, like the league of owners and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think they uh, they started talking about not doing it when LeBron's like it's a stupid idea because LeBron's the the play the face of the league. He's the yeah. he's the guy you listen to out of all the guys, and he was saying he didn't want to do it. Um, so they had some talks about it, but I think they had over six or close to six million viewers for the Warriors Lakers game, which was a late game for Eastern Co- for East Coast people. It started yeah. at ten o'clock yeah. for East Coast people. Um, yet it was still one of the most watched games of the year. Um, the most watched game since 2019 Western conference finals of Rockets warriors. So, wow. Wow. I did not I th- know that. I think, I think it's staying. I, it's hard to say no. I think especially there was not a better matchup that could have happened with the warriors and the Lakers in the play. And I think that Absolutely. added to the, the hypeness. I think if it was, for example, if it was like the blazers and the warriors that might've changed it completely but I think because LeBron was actually in it, because I believe he came out like pro play in tournament last year. And then obviously when he, when the Lakers were in contention of going to the play in tournament, he's like, Oh, okay. I don't like it anymore. Well, yeah, obviously you're not going to like it if you got to play in it. But at the same time, I think the teams that were out, such as like the nine and 10 seeds, they saw it as opportunity rather than like negativity instead of saying like, Oh, we have to play in a plane. Well, like, no, we have the opportunity to get into the playoffs now rather than when it's just the eight seed, it's cut off. You're done. So I, I loved it as well. Um, which games kind of stood out you out of that playing tournament? What did you see from teams maybe a little bit differently than that? what happened in the regular season? What players stood out that didn't stand out before? What, what did you get from those games that have happened? So I'll start with the first game, the Pacers-Hornets. Um, it was a good game. The Pacers were missing Karis LeVert. They were, they were honestly missing a couple guys. Um, I think it was pretty widely thought that they were going to lose that game. Um, but DeMontis Bonus had a beast of a game. And they had, let's see, they had one, two, three, four, five, six. They had eight guys with over 10 points. Um, TJ McConnell was great. He looked like John freaking Stockton for a quarter in that game. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was a fun game. And they scored 144 points. Uh, a Pacers team that's more known for their defense and their scoring. Yeah. Um, the Hornets kind of weren't what you thought they were going to be. And they, yeah. they just looked bad. Yeah, that was like disappointing, especially because it was the first playing game of this year, and they're talking around Caleb Mello's back. But then it was that the the commentators talked about this too, is because Gordon Hayward set out with like a sprained ankle, I think. Yeah, I think I think he's been out like the last yeah, couple weeks. Out, yeah, he's been out for the last couple weeks, and they were saying like, "Well, I mean, what does that mean 
Lamelo had like a fractured wrist, comes back. Gordon has like a sprained ankle. Anyways, they're giving heat on Gordon Hayward. I've heard plenty of heat. I gave it a little bit a few years ago. <laughs> but I, I thought it was interesting when I – you saw two very different teams than what we saw in the regular season. Like you were saying before, with a 144 to 117 final score, that was the last thing I expected. Um, but game two of that day was the Celtics and the Wizards, which I think was a really anticipated matchup. Obviously, both of the, the seven and eight seed games are more anticipated than the nine and ten. But you had – um, the Celtics without Jalen Brown, and now the Wizards, who've kind of been on a hot streak towards the end of the year, um, somehow find, found their way into the playoffs. That boggles me, especially from how they started <laughs> at the beginning of the season. But what did you get out of that, that Celtics-Wizards matchup? I thought it was a fun game, too. Um, Russell Westbrook, I mean, the, the expectation was Westbrook was going to have another monster game because he was on a streak of having monster games. Yeah. Um, and he did have a, he had a decent game. He had 20 and 14, but he was also shooting Washington out of the game. Um, the highlight of that game was Jason Tatum in his 50 points. I swear he's the type of guy that, that can just score a bucket whenever he wants to. He has that Kevin Durant, Kobe type of thing yep. where they can just go score whenever they want to. Yeah. So it was way fun to watch him. Um, Kemba did great, and I don't know Boston getting the seven seed. That's that's big for them. Um, I think a lot of people actually were kind of thinking they might fall out of the play-in tournament, um, especially after Jalen Brown went down a couple weeks ago and was out for the season. So I mean, it's a big it's a big win for Boston, but uh, they have to play Brooklyn in the first round. So how big of a win is it really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there was like a viral video of Boston fans after that saying like. You know, to f Kyrie after that, but <laughs> everyone's like, "Oh, you guys don't even know what's about to happen." Um, I, I thought the same thing too, though, especially because Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell were both in the same like rookie class. They've been compared a lot about their games because they've both like taken their teams to you know crazy levels more than you know was anticipated. I'd say, and I thought Jason Tatum's scoring ability. I saw that too. There was a specific jumper um, where like. Someone, I, it was either Beal or Westbrook was playing like lockdown D, and I thought that's going to be an absolute block. And then Tatum just absolutely drains it from like the left elbow, and I was like, wow, this guy's good. And then, yeah, of course, he ends up scoring 50. Um, that's going to be an interesting matchup, especially like you said, going up against the Nets. We'll talk about those future playoff matchups coming up really soon. Let's talk about uh, Wednesday's matchups. You started with the Grizzlies and Spurs, close game, like. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird because the Grizzlies like just took off at the beginning, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is gonna be another Pacers Hornets game where one team's not interested and the other one's like just totally in. But then the Spurs kind of came back. DeRozan wasn't having that great of a shooting performance, but their defense was like doing really good. Like once they kind of locked down, um, what stood out to you from the Grizzlies uh, Spurs matchup? I thought that was a fun game to watch. Jaw Morant, uh, Jaw's a wizard with the ball, and. I mean, I'm excited to see the type of player he'll become. Yeah. But really the highlight of that game, as I mentioned before, was Jonas Valanciunas. Oh um, what a beast. 23 and 23 on efficient shooting. And and he was just crazy hyped the entire game. Jakob Pertl <laughs> was doing his best. Jakob Pertl had five blocks that game. Um, yeah. And he looked like he was doing great defensively, as did the entire Spurs defense. But um, Valanciunas was just attacking the offensive boards. He was getting easy buckets. Um, I don't know. I think the, the Grizzlies could honestly give any team a game. Um, they have a lot of firepower and most impressively is, uh, most impressive is their defense and how deep of a defensive roster they have. And I feel like they could defend anybody. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. 
Um, one thing that stood out to me from that game is like John Morant's uh, like athletic, like his hang time when he goes up. Like I feel like he's floating in air. He finds some way to get the ball to the basket. But I think Jonas Valanciunas set a Grizzlies record. I think he was the first member of the Memphis Grizzlies to have a 2020 game of wow. fourth quarter. He had it like before the last 15 minutes started or last 12 minutes started. I was like, wow, that's impressive. And like we were talking about before, the dude just looked dead. But he came out again and he just wanted it. It was a really good ending. Um, Grizzlies won by four. Um, and they're going to match up with the Warriors tonight. But the game of the year, game of the past few years, Lakers-Warriors in L.A., it was a different I, – I was like – as a Jazz fan, I didn't know what to root for because I see the Jazz can have – I could see potential struggle for the Jazz with both of these teams. Obviously, you have the defending champions, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, a crazy matchup. And then you have, of course, Stephen Curry, who's like changed the game of basketball. And some like decent shooters, as we saw in that game, like the Warriors in the first half, I believe, shot like eight or nine threes. Like they made eight or nine threes. Wow. And Seth hit that crazy one to go into halftime up 13. Um, and it wasn't like a, a Lakers team that we saw from like last postseason. Like LeBron, I know, isn't at full health. It doesn't look like he was at full health. Um, Anthony Davis, I think, made maybe one or two shots in that half. Alex Caruso was carrying them with like his five for five shooting. But, um, what was what kind of strategy? Because obviously the Lakers turned around and somehow won that game in the end. Obviously because that crazy shot from LeBron. But what what kind of stands out to you from the Lakers Warriors matchup? I think more than anything, this game shows how good the Lakers are at defense. That's how they won the championship last yeah, year. That, that was, their defense was insane. Yeah, because I think the Warriors were like they had a lot of opportunities to score, but the fact that they were like it, they, it seemed like they dominated the first half. So to me. It, Ogle me that they were only up 13 at the half. Yeah. Like that defense kept them in there. And yeah. I mean, like the uh, Schroeder, AD, and LeBron, they started the game shooting two of 20. <laughs> that yeah. is so horrendous. So terrible. <laughs> so to see them, um, you know, come out of that game on top really speaks volumes to their defense. I think you found the Steph Curry stopper in Alex Caruso. Um, who would have thought that Alex Caruso would be guarding <laughs> – Steph Curry better than anybody else, but Crusoe has proved himself as a way valuable defender. Um, and honestly, just I feel like the Lakers just have so much depth defensively. Yeah. Um, at each of their guard positions on the wing, um, their center position is kind of interesting. I'm not the biggest Drummond fan, and I don't know how much he <laughs> he really helps them. But they were honestly able to make the most out of him. He had seven rebounds, um, was solid on the offensive rebounds, which is where where you really want him to be. Um, but overall, I mean, the Lakers, they're coming off the LeBron injury, the AD injury. Um, Schroeder is coming out of COVID, and they win this game. Um, I mean, I think it speaks volumes that the Lakers are still the front runner to come out of the West, even though they're the seventh seed. Yeah. Um, I I think it's the first time in modern NBA history that the seventh seed has been that heavily favored over the two seed in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is kind of crazy because, like, crazy. you look back a few playoffs before and, like, yeah, you don't expect the seven and eight seeds to go far. But in my opinion, like, the seven and eight seeds in the West are super dangerous. I think the West is just a whoever wants it more type of thing. And then uh, yesterday we had the Wizards Pacers matchup and the Wizards just went off again. Rust had a, had a monster game um, and everyone was shooting fairly well from, from deep on their end uh, and the Pacers, it seemed like turned into the Hornets that they played only two days before. 
I was just like, man, this is kind of interesting how like it just seems like one team's super interested and one isn't in terms of the nine and ten type seeds. So anything in particular that stood out to you from yesterday's game at all? Um, I just like one quote that Russell Westbrook had after the game. He said, uh, Mo Cheeks, of all players, told him, good players never have two bad games in a row. And Westbrook didn't have two bad games in a row, and that's why they won. Um, so, I mean, Russell Westbrook, he's really good. Uh, it was good that they were able to kind of close the game early because they were able to rest. Uh, I think they play in Boston on Monday, or they play in a, um, Philly on Monday. So it's a quick turnaround for them. Um, but honestly, I thought it was a fun game. Yeah, I I love kind of seeing – I'm not a huge Russell Westbrook fan in terms of like – I don't know how to phrase it, but maybe sometimes his demeanor. But I, you got to respect the dude's game. Like he, he goes hard. And I think it, they were looking for more of that passion. I think we're all looking for more of that passion against the Celtics. It just seemed like maybe he wasn't all in. But this one he was like hyping up the crowd in Washington. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. That brings us to tonight's game against with the Warriors and the Grizzlies. So this is super influential. This is a big game for Jazz fans because we're the last team to know who we're going to play. And it's between these two teams. So um, obviously the Warriors were super close to getting that seven seed. What do you think it's going to be like going up against the Grizzlies tonight who are coming off a pretty emotional win against the Spurs? Well, I I want to look back at their uh, at their last regular season game because the Grizzlies and the Warriors played each other the last game of the season. Um, and whoever got that was basically the eighth seed. Um, in the first half, it was a really good game. Dylan Brooks was guarding Steph Curry great um, until he fouled out. That's Dylan Brooks is the leader in fouls in the last four years yeah. in the entire NBA. Oh, yeah. Big, big time. <laughs> like, it's not even close. Um, but he was also defending Steph at a great level. Um, I think as Grizzlies, as the Grizzly players, you have to try and lock down Steph without uh, letting any of the other players on the Warriors get hot. You can't let Wiggins get his 25, or you can't let Draymond just get open passes to these nobodies like Juan Tuscano-Anderson um, that are going to honestly beat you. Um, another thing that st- sticks out to me is Valanciunas had a monster game the last time they played the Warriors. Um, he had 29 and and I think six rebounds. Um, so it's important that he's crashing the offensive rebounds. Um, and I mean, the Warriors center rotation isn't super deep. Um, it's an interesting lineup because like Draymond is their big center, but you saw that especially the height and like physicality difference between them and the Lakers when he was out. Yeah. Like they looked like midgets compared to the other guys. So true. Um, I mean, honestly, it could be, it could go either way. I'm really rooting for the Grizzlies. I'd, as a Jazz fan, I'd rather play the Grizzlies in the first round. Um, but I mean, I think the Warriors are still going to win. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the exact same thing. And I think it's going to be, especially if the Warriors do win, I think that's like a one in eight. Even if I wasn't a Jazz fan, that's still a very intriguing matchup because you have a team that everyone says, okay, well, this is the Jazz are a very good regular season team. We don't know if they're a good playoff team yet. You have Steph Curry who has playoff finals experience with a young team, but they the, the Warriors have all the hype. So I think that's a really good matchup to watch, even if you're not a Jazz fan, because you get to see if the Jazz are really what they're all about, or if Steph Curry can you know step up to the plate once again and take it home. Um, so besides the Jazz matchup with that eight seed that's going on right now, what matchup, what like playoff matchups are you excited for in that first round that's coming up? Um. In the West, I think the 
the one that is going to be most exciting is Suns Lakers. Yeah, uh, obviously. I mean, the Suns—they're a fun team. Uh, they've they started out the de- the season really good defensively, and they've kind of turned more into an offensive team as the season has gone on. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they attack the Lakers and their defensive schemes. Um, it's Chris Paul versus LeBron, which means that there's going to be a lot of chess. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, <laughs> behind the scenes looking at every single play and um, two guys that are brilliant at what they do. And Devin Booker, he, he it's his first time in the playoffs, but Devin Booker is the type of guy that's going to score big in the playoffs. Um, yeah, He just kind of has that mentality about him and that playing style. So I think that's what I'm really excited for in the West. You also have Clippers Mavericks. Um, if the Mavericks are healthy, they could give the Clippers a good series. Um, there are some injury questions about Porzingis as well as uh, Kleba, who was the Kawhi defender last year when they played the Clippers. And remember, they took the Clippers to six games last year. Yeah. And they didn't have Porzingis or Kleba. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that could be a good series. Um, as far as in the – I mean – Looking at the West, you still have Nuggets Trailblazers, which can be a great series too. You have Damian versus Jokic, and they're going to do their things. So the real X factors become CJ McCollum, Michael Porter Jr., Norman Powell, and the rest of the Nuggets um, but bench. Hopefully they can get some guys healthy. Um, I don't know, maybe Austin Rivers will play like he plays against the Jazz and just have 30 points every game. Uh, but that's going to be a fun series to watch. In the East, the, the one eight two sevens. I think both of those might be sweeps. Philly is really yeah. good. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, ben Simmons is a big X factor in that. We'll see if Ben Simmons can finally show up in the playoffs because that's been a big question mark for him in the past. Um, the two seven. If Boston wins a game, I would be genuinely surprised. If they win game one, I think we see the Nets in game two at their full strength, which we haven't seen this year. Yeah, we haven't seen them whip out everything they have. So that's going to be a fun series to watch for that reason. Um, the three six is also going to be way fun because you have the Heat and Bucks. Oh, that that's one I'm actually like one. Of, I think that's the most exciting matchup for me. It I'm totally sorry. is. I mean, last year they had, I mean, the Heat. The Heat destroyed them last year. Let's be honest. Yeah. Giannis went down after game two, which the Heat had already won. Yeah. Um, maybe if that game goes differently and Giannis doesn't go down, it's a better series. Um, but you can't blame it on the Giannis injury. So. It was honestly a good series, um, but the Heat just destroyed them. Uh, yeah. This year, with roster changes, the Heat lost their Giannis stopper, Jay Crowder. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go with that, if they play Trevor Ariza on him, if they play Bam, Jimmy. Um, the good thing about the Heat is they have so much defensive versatility. It's going to be a defensive series, which will be a lot of fun. And then looking at the 4-5, you have the Knicks and Hawks and Honestly, who thought these two teams were going to be in the playoffs? I don't think anyone saw this coming. No one. And much less the four and five both clinch a playoff spot. <laughs> um, it's going to be a fun series. Uh, both teams are young. Both teams are fun. The Hawks probably have more talent with Trey Young, John, uh, Josh Collins, yeah. Clint Capella. Bogdanovich. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of guys, and they have a great offense. But New York's defense has also been brilliant. And I mean, it's, I'm excited to watch it for the sole reason that I think Trey Young is going to get exposed in the playoffs. Yeah. I think something that's intriguing about all these playoff matches is there's like a ton of pressure on basically all of these teams in some different way or form. Um, like you look at the Lakers Suns matchup, the Suns are the same 
kind of the same in the same boat as the Jazz, where okay, good regular season team, they made a great turnaround. Are they a playoff team with all these young guys who haven't played in the playoffs? You got Lakers against them, who are the defending champions coming in as the seven seed. Okay, well, like, okay, are they going to defend it? Are they going to like step up in the postseason? Or are they just going to do a do it what a normal seven seed does? Maybe throw in a few games, but they could lose to the Suns. That's a really good matchup. You have the Nuggets, you have Jokic, pressure without Murray. Then you have, I feel, Damian Lillard. Like the Trailblazers consistently make the playoffs, and I feel you, you always see them there, but you never see them go far. And I want to yeah. see Damian Lillard go far. Um, so the, I think there's pressure on on that organization as well to take it past the first or second round. Mavericks and Clip. I think the Clippers have it. Like everyone didn't everyone pick the Clippers to win the championship last year and this year. Yeah, yeah. And then they, I think they they did the same thing as the Lakers. They stacked up their entire roster. So it's like, okay, well, you better win it this year. Is is Kawhi leaving or like is, is his? He, he's a free out? agent after yeah. the season. So it's kind of like you got to go hard this year. Like it's yeah. over. Then you have Hawks and Knicks. The Knicks were like the hype of. Tom Thibodeau's now in the coach of the year, uh, obviously the coach of the year um, contest, but they had a huge turnaround and obviously they made it to the four seed, which is crazy. Then you have the Sixers who I think they've made it, they've made it far, but it's like, I think it's, they're looking for their time to make it to the finals because they consistently, I feel like make it to the Eastern conference finals or the Eastern semis, but you never see them go far. You got the Nets. You did the same thing with like the LA teams. They stacked up. And like we said, we haven't seen these guys at their full potential yet. So like, they got to win a championship if they put all their money into it. This is exciting. I love these matchups. And I think no matter who the Jazz play too, obviously there's probably going to be more hype around the Warriors, but I think like another really good matchup that I'm excited for. Um, so which you said the Wizards and Sixers will be a sweep and the Celtics and Nets. I think both of those are going to be sweeps. Yeah. Is there like a matchup that you think would – you have like a hot take on like a surprising – Maybe this team will win over this team. Anything that's different from the norm? Um, honestly, I think Trailblazers are going to beat the Nuggets. Interesting. Okay. I think how, the, how many games? Six. Okay. The Trailblazers have been hot ever since Yusuf Nurkic came back from his injury. Um, the big question mark in that series, like I said, is Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. as well as Dame McCollum, because you know what you're going to get from Jokic, and you know what you're going to get from Dame. Um, last year in the playoffs, the Nuggets, um, they had Jamal Murray making every single shot, making the <laughs> most incredible contested shots. And they're going to need Michael Porter Jr. to do that exact same thing this year. Yep. Um, you're going to need 25 or 30 from him. And I don't know if he's ready to do that um, in a playoff series. I mean, I could totally be wrong, but I think the Trailblazers have been great. Um, with Nurkic back, they've been a top eight defensive team. Um, their three-point shooting and their offense, their starting lineup has been like the best starting lineup since Nurkic has come back and with the trade of Norman Powell. Um, so I th- I honestly could see them beating the Nuggets. Yeah. When you put it that way, I'm like, yeah, I could totally see that. And I think like before Murray goes down, I could see the Nuggets like going pretty far in the playoffs. I could see them winning the entire thing, dude. Yeah. Like that, that looked like a solid team for a few weeks. Um, so now going back, focusing on the Jazz, it's it's interesting for Jazz fans mostly because we've been without Donovan Mitchell for a little over a month. Yeah, yeah, a little over a month. He came out in a in an interview, I think it was yesterday, and said, like they kind of played down his. He's like basically said they kind of played down my injury. It was a little bit worse than we described, 
but he's it feels like he's ready to go for Sunday. Um, are you worried at all for this Jazz team? A lot of people are talking about are they going to be rusty or not? Obviously, because they're they're going to be waiting the longest um, out of all the teams in the league. Um, what are you expecting in that first game from the Jazz? No matter if it's the Grizzlies or the Warriors. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Jazz because if they lose Game One, um, I mean, Jazz fans are going to panic. Remember last year that the Lakers lost Game One in their first two series. Yeah. So Game One doesn't mean everything. It does mean something, but it doesn't mean the entire series. Like a lot of good teams will lose Game One. Um, I also think that Quinn Snyder's coaching is going to be extremely important. I feel like he's been a great regular season coach, but his playoff coaching has been kind of questionable. And I look back at the matchups of specifically with the Rockets. Yeah, um, I mean, he had some great schemes like having Rick, Ricky Rubio stand behind James Harden. So James Harden couldn't step back and shoot a three. Um, and, but I feel like he never figured out the center. Like when Rudy was guarding Clint Capella, oh, that, that was, was so tough to watch. Him. It was so hard to watch. So I feel like, uh, you know, he's improved in that respect, but I'd also really like to see how he game plans against um, either one of these teams. I I honestly think it's gonna we're gonna be playing the Warriors, um, uh, so I'm I'm kind of nervous about it. But at the same time, you look at what the Jazz have done this season, and you have to have confidence in it because they have confidence in what they've yeah. done this season, um, even without Donovan and Mike um, for 19, 21 games. Um, they were great. They stayed at the number one seed. Yep. Rudy Gobert is phenomenal. Um, and we have seen a lot of players step up. Georges Niang was averaging 12 points while Donovan was Your out. Guy. Your My guy. My guy, Georges, <laughs> was averaging 12 points. Um, Bogdanovich has gotten back to what we are used to with Bogdanovich. And he's become a reliable second option. Yeah. And so I think we're going to be playing maybe a little bit differently than we did before because of certain changes that players have made on their own. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I, I think we still win series one. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think at times it's easy for like jazz fans to panic because you get all this. We were, we were contesting for all this hype during the regular season. We got it for a little bit. And then now we're like here and we saw the analysts said like, okay, now it's time to prove it. Cause like, you can't really prove you're a good team until the postseason, right? You got to have the trophy in your hands. But you look at all the Jazz players and what they're saying, like, they want this bad. I think, you think back to last season, like, Donovan Mitchell looked like he was about to die from just ultimate sadness. Like, he was just super bummed after that 3-1 blow against the Nuggets. And he said, like, I never want to feel this way again. Like, we got to go. We got to go farther. So I feel like his mentality, mindset is going to be there. Like, the question is, is like, will his physicality match his mentality in terms of like, will he get back to it? Cause like right before he went down, he was having like a really good stretch. I think he was averaging like almost 30 points a game. Like I think it was like 26 or 27 mm-hmm. shooting really well. Um, but obviously missing a, a month of basketball can really hurt you, especially going into the postseason. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for what the jazz are going to look like. So say they match up with the Warriors. How many games do you think they beat them in? Five, five. Um, this is the reason why Vivian Arena is going to have thirteen thousand fans. I don't I think just, I just got chills. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we're losing a single game at home to the Warriors. Um, I think it's going to be an, a hectic environment. Some of the Warriors' young guys won't know how to handle it. 
Um, and the Jazz players are the players that rally behind that environment. Um, so I think we win the first two games at, at Utah. And then we go to Golden State or Memphis. Um, and say we go to Golden State, you know, they also have some fans there. I think they have like 5,000. Um, so it's not quite the Oracle Arena that you're used to. Um, so I think you split there. And yeah. then you bring it back to home and win. Yeah, I like that. I'm so excited, like, just talking about it. Because, like, if you've ever seen a Jazz playoff game, it's completely different to other arenas. Oh, like, yeah. You can feel, like, even just watching it on TV, you can just feel the energy that comes from it. I just wish there'd be, like, you know, the full 17,000. But you know what? I'm taking 13,000 because it's the best in the NBA. <laughs> um, I'm super excited that they've maxed the capacity out to that. Um, so say the jazz do, you know, we'll talk about, you know, say it's the Warriors, say they beat them in five. The big matchup is probably going to be that, that Clippers matchup. Cause you know, that's probably most likely would be their next opponent. Um, they have beef in the past, obviously like four or five years ago, that was a really good, uh, series of seven completely different teams now. But I think again, this could be, this is a really good matchup. We saw those games, those three games against them this last year. And for the, most, for the most part, they were really exciting. Uh, besides the one where I believe Kawhi and Paul George were sitting out in that first uh-huh. game in LA. Um, the the second one away was actually really exciting to watch. Oh, yeah. It was came right down to the wire. Yeah, and it, we talked about it before. It kind of had that playoff vibe and energy to it. So now, say, for example, you're taking it to the playoffs. What do you, what do you like out of the matchup with the Clippers and the Jazz? Um, I like that matchup better than I like the Jazz matching up with the Lakers or the healthy Nuggets. Yeah. Um, and it's for a couple of reasons. I think the Jazz match up better um, defensively against the against the Clippers. Um, Rudy's able to do what he can do around the rim, especially because right now the Clippers don't have Serge Ibaka, who's their big stretch five. Um, so Zubach is going to be hanging around in the, in the paint, and Rudy is going to be right where you want Rudy to be. Um, Paul George and Kawhi, I still think they're both great and they're going to do great things. Um, but at the same time, Joe Ingles has proven to be Paul George's father. So, <laughs> I mean, really how good I is love Paul George those memes. Be? <laughs> I love those memes. How good is playoff he going to be? Um, it sucks we don't have Ricky Rubio to shut down whoever they have. But, oh, dang. Um, I mean, they're, they've improved defensively. They didn't start out the year too hot defensively, the Clippers, but now they've become like a top eight team um, defensively. and. I mean, they have Kawhi and Paul George. They have their superstar talent, but who's who else is going to help them? Is Rondo going to become playoff Rondo for the like twentieth year in a row? Is he going to be amazing in the playoffs this year? Um, who's going to be their big X factors? Is Patrick Beverly going to foul out every game like he should be fouling out every game? You know, there's a lot of questions with that series. Yeah, I could still see the Jazz winning though. I have a lot of faith that the Jazz will get to the Western Conference Finals. That's where I had him. I have him. I have him uh, losing to the Lakers in six in the in the Western Conference Finals, six or seven. I don't know which. I'm kind of. I know it's going to take a <laughs> while though. Um, I I'm excited. Like Jazz fans, like you should be really excited for the playoffs. Um, I think this is going to be super interesting because the the few years that we've watched before, like I'm expecting them to go to the second round, put up a good fight, and lose. But this year, I think we obviously should expect more from this Jazz team. And I think they expect more out of themselves, too, obviously, as they've stated out loud. Like, they're expecting to win the championship. They're expecting to win it all, which is the exact mentality you need to have going into the playoffs. Um, going 
switching topics to finish things off, talking about teams that are kind of heating up now. We're going to talk about them, them Utes on the football team. Them Utes. Them Utes. <laughs> okay. The I wasn't like a huge like transfer portal type of guy in terms of like that's where all of your guys should come from. But especially after like a COVID season, like you need to go to the transfer portal. Like that's where that's where the talent's going to come from. A lot of people left. It's like ever since they had that rule change where like people can come and go and have immediate eligibility, that type of stuff. Like it's been it's been a crazy house. But I'm just going to give you a, a list of the people that Whittingham has recruited onto the Utes in the past few months since the season ended. Jaquindon Jackson, quarterback out of Texas. Charlie Brewer, quarterback out of Baylor. Chris Curry, running back out of LSU. TJ Pledger, running back out of Oklahoma. Theo Howard, wide receiver out of Oklahoma. Josh Calvert, linebacker out of Washington. And Brandon McKinney, safety out of Washington. Out of all of those guys, everyone is a four-star, except for Charlie Brewer, who's a three-star, who – I think we should all expect him to be the starting quarterback this fall. He was a starting quarterback for Baylor, who was a really good team. But this last week, the addition of Theo Howard, Josh Calvert, and Brandon McKinney was amazing. Because like now you're looking at this team, and it seems like I'm kind of having the same um, – I'm picturing the same thing as like the Lakers or the Clippers or the Nets, like putting all their money in because they just <laughs> want to win it in one year. I'm seeing that with Whittingham. I think Whittingham knows his time is kind of expiring as a coach. Dude's put in some work in the transfer portal, and these guys are like actually talented. Like you you look at them, and they're, they're highly touted. As I said, like all of them are four stars except for one. So out of these last – out of the last week, what do you think is going to happen with Utah football with all these recruits? What do you like out of them? Well, one thing I really like is we're addressing a problem that we had, uh, I think it was two years ago in the Pac-12 championship game. We're playing Oregon, right? Yeah. And we have a couple guys out. We have Huntley out, and I think we had Zach Moss out as well. And yep, that really hurt us. So right now, with these transfers, we're addressing depth. We're, we have a lot of depth, especially on the offensive positions, um, which is honestly so valuable. Yeah. It, it makes a competitive environment. Um, it keeps players on their toes and the deeper your team is, the better your team is. Right. Absolutely. So I think, I think one, that's my number one big thing that I'm happy about. Um, looking at the three guys that came in recently, um, this last week, uh, I'll start with Brandon McKinney from Washington. Um, so he had played four, I think he played four years at Washington, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a senior and Solid safety. We had one of our safeties. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, go down a couple weeks ago in practice, I guess. And they're not sure if he's going to be totally ready for when the season starts. Um, so having him come in means that you instantly have a guy that can help you um, fill in that spot. Um, looking at our wide receiver. I, after the safety, I was like, man, we have everything. We just need a wide receiver. And then That's the, what next everyone day, was saying. the next day, we get a wide receiver. <laughs> we get Theo Howard from Oklahoma. So in his four years at Oklahoma, he or at UCLA, because he was at Oklahoma last year. And UCLA, UCLA before, yeah. He had uh, 119 receptions for 1,459 yards and nine touchdowns. And that's as a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... And he had, he, he had, like, one of the catches of the year against Utah that same year it was our blackout game i don't know if you remember this no it yeah was, i do it was when like we blew him out that game but he like caught this insane catch on the right sideline like it looked like a michelangelo painting like adam <laughs> stretching towards god you know like he he was just out there grabbing that football 
and every, like even the whole stadium was just like silent roll like that that just happened we <laughs> got that guy we yeah got we got him it's kind of like the darren carrington type of stuff where he gets the game when he touched on against us and then joins us the next year but theo howard has a lot of talent he has a lot of athleticism and i like what you said about depth because i was thinking about usc two years ago when you know utah had that incredible season in 2019 uh, they they lost. I think their only regular season loss that year was against USC on the road. I think you're right. And it was against like their third string QB, who was like their. It was like his first start, and he beat him. And now I think he's named like one of the top ten quarterbacks or something like that in the country. Um, so you see, USC has depth. Even when they go down to their second or third string quarterback, they're able to be a really good Utah team. So I think that's what Utah's missing. Also, Utah's really good at, at developing players. Like we're consistently getting the two stars, some of the three stars. But we put a lot of guys in the NFL, and I think that is a really uh, – it's a tribute to the coaching staff and what they can do with those players. But now if, you adding, if you're adding four stars, like a, a consistent amount of four stars, imagine the type of player development that they can make with these guys in, in regards to – instead of like a two-star player. Um, we've talked about it before. I think the depth at running back is huge. Utah's a running school, and now you have three really good running backs in the, in the running to get that starting spot. Um, I think the quarterback position, and like you said, that's another good offensive position, as we've seen, and that not only in the Pac-12, but in college football, you like you need to have a good college quarterback. Um, but the wide receiver one was kind of hard because we saw a lot of guys enter the transfer portal after this last year. And Utah's not really known to be a wide receiver school. Like you don't see a lot of wide receivers getting like over a thousand yard seasons with tons of touchdowns and stuff like that. Uh, because the offenses run a little bit differently. Um but I'm really excited for Theo Howard and what he can bring, especially with like the other wide receivers that are coming in, coming back. Um, plus that wash, like Washington's defense is good consistently in the Pac-12. Yeah. Like they're usually up there with Utah. In fact, sometimes even above Utah's defense. And so having some of their guys, like key guys come back uh, or come to Utah is, is huge. Like that's a huge win for us, especially with our young defense that we had last year. And they still like rose above the occasion. The fact that we're getting Brandon McKinney, who's now, I think that this is going to be his fifth year, if I'm correct. Because I, I think COVID, like you repeated a year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like now you have leadership where you needed it with Devin Lloyd as well. Like this is, I think Whittingham's putting all the chips in. And I, if you uh, know Nick Ford, Nick Ford's actually one of the offensive linemen for the youths. Um, he, he loves tweeting. He's a, he's a big tweeter. And I think yesterday after Theo Howard committed, um, he said, let's see, where's it at? I said, he said, like, we're going, we're going all the way this year. We've got nothing on our minds except roses. Oof, chills, man. <laughs> like, you don't hear Utah players talking about it that much, but I'm excited. Like, any final thoughts about the Utes? It's going to be a fun season. I, all the cards are in on this <laughs> season, man. We got a new Number end zone. 10 is coming. There's so much to be excited about. Uh, yeah. Like, Okay, Jazz fans, you get it, you need to get hyped for the playoffs, and youth fans get hyped for the regular season. It's going to be awesome. Um, as of course, we just joined. This is news. We just joined the Basketball Podcast Network as official representatives of the Utah Jazz. Um, so we'd love if you could keep inviting your your friends, um, having them listen to us. We we love talking about the Jazz and the youth. So bring all your friends and family to. Um, to us, and we'll keep trying to supply some some good content. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram. We'll also make some future platforms, but follow us on Instagram at um, Thatcher Effect Podcast. Thanks so much, guys. It's been good to have you. We'll see you next time.